Hey, hey, Cassandra, we're uh, we're about to record. You should sit down. Norman. Get... Y- yes. What do your elf eyes see? Uh, um, our our mics. No, no, you're supposed to say they're taking the podcast to Isengard. We, we've 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 been there all, several times yeah, but already. No, like for reals this time. <laughs> what do you, what do you what do you mean for reals this time? Well, you know the trees and the orcs and the 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 wizard and we're we're taking the podcast. To Isengard. Will there be stupid fat hobbits? Yes. Okay, I'm in. Oh, okay. That was easy. <laughs> I was. I had this whole sales pitch that you know there's potatoes, and you, you know, gotta boil them, <laughs> mash them, <laughs> stick them in a stew. There, there were also gonna be you know some crunchable horses. Um, we're back. <laughs> with season two, our yes. continuing coverage of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. This time we're talking about Two Towers. Join us on Dueling Genre every Monday through Friday to talk about Lord of the Rings one minute at a time. We're from Lord of the Rings Minute. Leave now and And never come back. No, please come back. (laughs) Dueling Genre. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're discussing Katie from Seconds, a graphic novel by Brian Lee O'Malley about a woman who gains the power to fix past mistakes with unintended consequences. And joining us for the discussion is returning all-star guest, Kirsta Christensen. Hello! Welcome back, Kirsta. Thank you for having me. So Seconds is this graphic novel by Brian Lee O'Malley, who I would imagine most people, if they're aware of him, it is through his Scott Pilgrim series of graphic novels. And this was his follow-up to that, and it was originally published in on uh, July 15th, 2014. And Kirsten, this was a request from you. I had not read this yet. I've read a lot of the Scott Pilgrim. I'm actually not sure if I finished the entire series. Um, but I kn- So I know I was familiar with Brian Lee's, uh, O'Malley's art style and um, some of the, the themes in that work. I uh, definitely saw some of them <laughs> reappearing in this as I was reading this. Um, but how did you first come to Seconds? I heard about it on a podcast on the, um, NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour, which is a really great podcast that first you should listen to this podcast, but second you should listen to Pop Culture Happy Hour. Yeah, it was something that... Um, they're one of their hosts is really into graphic novels and superheroes and he recommended it said it was really good and interesting and the library where i work had it and so i just looked it up and read it um i ironically i haven't read any scott pilgrim i've seen the movie but but that's it um i did not realize it was the same author i just came to this in a vacuum and then and then when i suggested it to you because i was proud because i had read one graphic novel and would have something to contribute for the graphic novel rotation of the protagonist podcast and you said well i mean obviously i am familiar with the author but i'm not familiar with seconds and i was sort of like haha yes i too am obviously (laughs) familiar with the author who checks wikipedia also wrote scott pilgrim so um so i'm not familiar with the scott pilgrim with the with the series you'll have to you'll have to point out some of the similarities but yes well i'm always excited when guests want to do a work that i'm 
that I don't know, but mm-hmm. I, especially when I'm like, I'm kind of familiar enough that it's something I know I should get to. Sure. And so once I like checked out what seconds was, I was like, oh, that's one I should definitely get to. Uh, so very pleased with the recommendation and I enjoyed reading it. And it is, even though this is a big fat graphic novel, it's yeah. hundreds of pages. I'm not sure. 300 exact. something. I yeah. know because I had to write the summary of it tonight. <laughs> Which, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Very much <laughs> not only was it summarizing a 321 page graphic novel, it involves some time travel. Yeah. Which is always a beast yes. <laughs> for summarizing. Um, but I was able to read it basically in one sitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you, you can go through it very quickly. So if you can get your hands on it, uh, you know, through your library, or I saw when I was like looking it up, I saw like because it was a New York Times bestseller, the the secondary book market is flooded with copies nice, of this. So nice. you can get it for just a couple bucks yeah. if you wanna if you wanna pick it up that way. Some more trivia about seconds. Um, as I noted, it became a New York Times bestseller. I tried to find which list it was on because you know the New York Times has like broken it down into subset, sub, so many subsections now because people got tired of Harry Potter being a, a, a number one bestseller. I'm guessing it's on the graphic novels bestseller list, not the main bestseller list, but you never know. Uh, it's good. I can respect it being anywhere on either of those lists. Um, and then the only other trivia, which was fairly light, like I, I tried to look and see if anyone had optioned this for a film and I couldn't find any information about that. Um, but there were some reviews from some prominent individuals that I wanted to share. One, Guillermo del Toro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I've heard of him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, He he said, in seconds, Brian Lee O'Malley plays the angst of youth against the fabric of a larger epic. In doing so, he enriches both a great ride. And that's one of my favorite parts about this, which we'll get into after you do your summary, that there's this mix of like very personal, intimate issues and then like grand universe defining Mm -hmm. moments that you don't usually see blended. Sure. Um, and, And so I definitely... Uh, appreciated that, and I could see Guillermo del Toro digging into the the supernatural side of this. Oh, yeah. there's there's a house elf, is there? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. You say the word house spirit three times, Guillermo del Toro appears yes. and offers to produce your script. <laughs> yes, it will be announced. It will be announced to be in production. <laughs> Whether anyone else ever sees it is debatable with him. Um, and then Scott McCloud, which if you do any study of comics theories, you you have to deal with Scott McCloud. Um, he said Brian Lee O'Malley's seconds is adorable, haunting, funny, and beautiful a perfect recipe for a great graphic novel. Um, and I, I agree with those reviews. I really enjoyed reading this. Now, before we get to that full summary, listeners, we want to thank you for downloading e- uh, this episode. And we want to thank each and every one of you for listening, especially those of you who support us on Patreon. If you'd like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers and give monthly updates on our fantasy box office. And all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. So now, Kirsta, you were kind enough to write the full summary for this um before i do that i have a shameful confession which is that i have not been a patreon supporter of the protagonist (laughs) podcast for very long i only started supporting it last month when you started it finances were a bit more tight so i just wasn't supporting it and then by the time i could it felt awkward that i'd been like (laughs) appearing on it for so long and not supporting it anyway finally supporter finally have access to the quick cast the quick casts are amazing they're wonderful i went through all of 2019 especially like especially the 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 main show that's not a quick cast where you pick the films and it felt like (laughs) it felt like a greek tragedy because i knew what was going to happen (laughs) so um yes the quick casts are getting me through life a little bit <laughs> so well, and as soon as you become a patron i was like do you want to come on and you can pick anything you want to talk about <laughs> yeah because that option has never happened before <laughs> all right here is our long summary uh side note i actually haven't had a chance to read this through since i 
read it, wrote it. So I think it's coherent, but we'll see. Welcome to the team. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a week. Um, Okay. The book seconds begins with Katie, our protagonist, having a strange dream about a petite white haired girl who crouches on her bedroom dresser. The girl tells Katie, if things go wrong, don't forget. She then jumps into one of the dresser drawers. Still dreaming, Katie opens the drawer and finds it empty. When Katie wakes up, she doesn't remember the dream. Joe, Joe, I'm Joe is I'm showing the photo like a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> Stare. Such a great panel. <laughs> uh, Katie is a chef who started a restaurant named Seconds. Seconds is very popular and has won a lot of awards, but it's owned by a couple of investors who originally put up the money. Katie has always wanted to own her own restaurant, so she's been saving her money for years to open a new restaurant on Lucknow Street with a co-investor friend named Arthur. The new Lucknow restaurant is taking longer to remodel than she anticipated, but she's already been replaced by a new head chef at Seconds, so Katie is feeling pretty antsy. However, she lives in a small apartment over the restaurant, so she still ends up hanging out there a lot. She stops by at Seconds one evening and happens to run into her ex-boyfriend, Max. He's there with a very attractive young woman, but it turns out that she's his sister, who Katie didn't recognize now that she's all grown up. Max wants to talk, but Katie rudely dismisses him and storms off. She heads down to the kitchen, where she ends up picking a fight with Andy, the new head chef who's replaced her. Katie follows Andy back into the walk-in pantry, where they begin making out. They are apparently having a fling. Katie and Andy hear a scream in the kitchen and rush back. They see that a young server, Hazel, has been severely burned by hot oil. Katie takes Hazel to the hospital. It turns out that Hazel was burned because she was looking for something in the kitchen that Andy left in the wrong place. Katie feels that she and Andy both share blame for the accident. Andy for not doing his job properly in a hazardous environment, and Katie for further distracting him. Katie goes to bed, still feeling guilty. In the middle of the night, she wakes up and opens one of the dresser drawers. This time it contains a card, a notebook, and a mushroom with a red cap. Side note, I did not know that mushrooms with red caps were a real thing (laughs) until I moved to Maine, because New England is wetter and rainier in general than uh, the desert of Utah where I grew up, and there are a lot more mushrooms that grow around. I had seen mushrooms with red caps on the Smurfs, but like the Smurfs also have blue skin. (laughs) And so I just thought the red mushroom was part of that crazy world where the smurfs live but um no it turns out those are real i thought you were gonna say new england is a gothic fairy tale land. no <laughs> just the part where stephen king lives <laughs> so katie opens so katie goes and opens the dresser drawer which contains a card a notebook and a mushroom with a red cap um this is a magical mushroom, but the red cap is not the magical part. <laughs> That's a real world thing <laughs> to reiterate. <laughs> the card says, a second chance awaits. One, write your mistake. Two, ingest one mushroom. Three, go to sleep. Four, wake anew. Katie opens the notebook and writes, I shouldn't have fooled around with Andrew. Workplace canoodling is no good. She then eats a mushroom and goes back to sleep. In a red-tinged flashback, we see a version of the eating evening where Katie doesn't make out with Andy and Hazel doesn't get burned. Katie wakes up and drives to the hospital to check on Hazel, but she isn't there. Thinking she's been discharged, she tracks down Hazel's address and goes to check on her at home. Hazel looks confused to see her, and Katie notices that Hazel's arms look fine. Katie races back home, opens the dresser in the room, and finds the notebook with the rib mistake written on it. She goes down to the restaurant to talk to Andy, but he only remembers the revised evening, not the original one. Katie wonders if she just imagined or dreamed the original evening's events, but then she remembers the smell of the oil burning Hazel's arms, sorry, and decides that she couldn't have imagined that. In that case, the original night really did happen, but somehow Katie has been given a second chance to fix her mistake, and no one else is aware of the change. 
For lack of anything better to do, Katie starts to watch Hazel. Hazel's nice, but kind of shy and awkward, and hasn't yet made friends with the other servers. She's also very careful about sweeping the floor at night and tending the fire. One night, Katie catches her leaving out clothes and food. Hazel confesses that her grandmother told her stories about house spirits when she was growing up, and she thinks that Seconds, which is in a very old building, may have a resident spirit. Sweeping and tending the fire are supposed to keep a house spirit happy, and whenever Hazel leaves out clothes or food, they're gone by the morning. The next time Katie's in the walk-in pantry, she sees something between the gaps in the floorboards. She enlists help to pry her some of them to pry some of them up and discovers a small colony of mushrooms that look exactly like the mushrooms she ate to make Hazel's burns go away. She picks one of the mushrooms and takes it up to her room. Katie takes a bath, and when she gets out of the tub, the strange petite white girl from her dream is on her dresser. We find out that the girl's name is Lise. Are we saying Lise? Let's go with Lise. Okay. Because is that or Lise? L-I-S. Yeah, <laughs> Lise is... <laughs> This is harder to say for some reason. The girl, whose name is Lise, is crouching on the dresser, more like an animal than a person, and she's wearing multiple layers of strange clothing. Lise scolds Katie and tells her that she can't have the second mushroom. She says, one for you, only. Use it. There are rules. Katie and Lise get into an argument, but Katie holds on to the second mushroom. Lise retaliates by magically moving around all of Katie's furniture in her bedroom. Katie talks to Hazel, who says that in her grandmother's stories, the house spirit always appears to the master of the house, who's apparently Katie. Katie decides to cope with the situation by having some low-quality fast food for dinner. She goes back to Seconds to hang out with some of her favorite restaurant patrons. She sees Max, her ex, again. They start to have a conversation, but her dinner suddenly disagrees with her, and she has to rush off and spend the next few hours in the bathroom. After her last trip to the bathroom, she finds the mysterious notebook on the floor and begins to write down her regrets. We see another red tinge flashback captioned revision number two. In this version of the evening, Katie eats a healthy dinner of salad and lightly chews out Max for showing up the restaurant to talk to her instead of just calling like a normal person. When she wakes up the next morning, she feels amazing. Katie heads over to the Lucknow building to check on the construction. They're not as far along as she would like, and the contractor says they found a bricked-up fireplace on the main floor. It's got some strange junk in it, like a broom, an iron, a saucepan, and something that looked like a small cauldron. Katie rescues the cauldron and throws the rest away. She brings the cauldron back to seconds and shows it off to the staff. Hazel notices that there is some kind of dirt or ashes in the bottom of it. Katie peers into the cauldron and briefly seems to see the image of a tree. She shakes it off and decides to pour the dirt over the mysterious mushrooms under the floorboard as some kind of fertilizer. Then she picks a dozen more and puts them in the cauldron. The next evening, she gets drunk and stays up too late telling stories to the restaurant staff. Then she eats a mushroom and revises the evening so that instead she didn't drink so much. The evening after that, she stays up too late watching a snow on Netflix, or a Netflix clone. Then she eats another mushroom and revises the evening so that she went to bed early. (laughs) In general, she's enjoying her sudden freedom from the laws of cause and effect. This satisfaction is interrupted by an email saying that the contractors at the, at the Lucknow restaurant need more money. Katie's very stressed out. Lise appears and scolds Katie for using too many mushrooms. She threatens to take them away, but Katie grabs the cauldron full of mushrooms and runs outside to her car, correctly guessing that Lise can't leave the building. In her car, Katie decides to reverse her decision to hire their current contractor and pops in a mushroom, but she can't chew it this time. She sees fine print on the instruction card that tells her that the mushrooms can only reverse events that happened on the, on the second's premises. Katie goes to Hazel for advice on dealing with Lise. Hazel tells her that it's important to take care of the house spirit so that the house spirit will look out for the people in the house. Katie ends up telling Hazel about her relationship history with Max, how they met at seconds when they were both working in the kitchen, how they drifted apart as the restaurant got busier, how they broke up over a miscommunication and hurt feelings. Then she realizes that since her restaurant with Max happened at seconds, she can use, use the mushrooms to fix it. Revision number six. 
In a red-tinged flashback, Katie tells Max about her idea to open a new restaurant instead of keeping it from him, as she originally did, and he says he wants to be a part of it. She also has a weird vision of a dark goo growing around the mushrooms under the floorboards. When Katie wakes up, Max is in bed beside her. She can't believe this is real life, but it is. She's still in the apartment above seconds, but a bunch of Max's stuff is also there, which means they must be living together. They drive together to the Lucknow restaurant location to check on the progress. Max is in the driver's seat of her car, which is a little weird, but she tries to get used to it. She notices that the cauldron of mushrooms are still in the back seat. The Lucknow building looks even worse, and the contractor is still there, but now he wants even more money than in the first timeline. As the contractor leaves them to think over the next steps, he says, you and your wife have a nice day. For the first time, Katie notices that she and Max are wearing wedding rings. She figures that if she doesn't yet have her own restaurant, at least she has a husband. On the ride home, he calls their co-investor, Arthur, to see about how to talk about how to raise the extra funds. Katie rides passively in the passenger seat. When they get home, Katie sees a wedding photo on the wall and realizes that she has no memory of that day because she didn't live it. Katie sees Andy in the kitchen and he pulls her into the walk-in for a kiss. She realizes that she is still having a fling with Andy in this timeline, only now she's having an affair and cheating on Max. Katie goes to a room to eat a mushroom. Lisa appears and shows Katie a dreamlike vision in which they are floating through space towards a giant tree. Each branch of the tree sparkles, and Katie can see a tiny image of seconds nestled in the tree. Then it disappears and reappears somewhere else in the tree. There are drawers in the tree of the trunk like the drawers of the dresser, and Lee slides into one of them. Katie is astonished by the vision, but she doesn't understand what any of it means, so she eats another mushroom anyway. <laughs> Katie uses the mushroom to reverse her mistake of choosing the Lucknow building for the new restaurant, and instead chooses an alternate location they had considered on Talmadge Street. She has a nightmare of a dark monster coming out of the floorboards. In the morning, Max and Katie head out to the new restaurant, now at Talmadge. Katie doesn't remember where they are in the building process, which annoys Max, and he gives her the silent treatment on the way there. When Katie arrives, she sees that the building is beautiful and almost done, but the name is different, MK2 instead of Katie's, and the layout is wrong, and the decorations are different than she wanted, and she doesn't like the color they're painting on the walls. She points these out to Max, and he gets angry with her and tells her that she needs to compromise once in a while. They pass by the Lucknow building, which is almost a ruin. Max observes that they made the right choice in thinking Talmadge. Katie brings the cauldron of mushrooms from the car into seconds, but one rolls out on the back seat. Max still seems to be in a bad mood. Katie uses a mushroom to fix her fight with Max, but the day still ends up wrong. She uses another mushroom to try to fix the day again. Her dreams of a monster grow more intense, and she dreams of a black... Sorry, that was the copy edit. <laughs> Katie uses a mushroom to fix her fight with Max, but the day still ends up wrong. So she uses another mushroom to fix the day again. Her dreams of a monster grow more intense. Katie talks to Hazel, who tells her that she found an old picture book about two house spirits who mistakenly end up in the same house and have an epic battle with each other. They can't live together because different things make them happy, so the family eventually has to abandon the house. This is not a great picture book. <laughs> Hazel tells Katie that she thinks there is some kind of bad spirit at seconds, and she worries that Katie has invited something bad in. Katie realizes that she needs to confront the darkness she feels coming from under the floorboards. As she walks down to the kitchen, the hallway feel the hallways feel like a maze, and she is shocked to see that the kitchen staff have turned into walking skeletons. Andy pulls Katie aside and tells her that he's dumping her because she's just using him. Unfortunately, Max overhears them and figures out that she's been having an affair. Max and Katie have a huge fight. Katie decides to revise the past by firing Andy after only two weeks so they don't end up having a fling. Or an affair, depending on the timeline. The world changes again. The dining room is full of skeletons. All of the servers are wearing matching black dresses with sparkly stars. The menu has listings for strange and recognizable food, but Max is still there, and Katie still loves him. 
And then the world shifts again, and now Max is dating Yana, one of the servers. The world changes again, and now Max and Katie are the only ones in the kitchen. Max doesn't seem to know her, and Katie's not making these changes, so it must be someone else. Katie finds Hazel and leaves seconds with her. They head out to the Lucknow building. Hazel asks Katie if she took anything out of the building that would explain all the strangeness she's feeling. Katie remembers the cauldron. She heads back to seconds to find the cauldron and set things right, but Lisa appears and tells her that there are no more mushrooms. That an unnamed she is now using them and, Le- and Lisa's scared. A giant black monster appears in Katie's room and Lisa disappears. Katie wakes up, apparently from a dream. Max is next to her in bed. She touches his shoulder, but he's made of some inanimate substance, and he crumbles into dust. The rest of the building crumbles around her, leaving her alone in a cold and snowy landscape. The giant black monster appears and says, The world is quiet now. This Katie left. Left it to rot. Each Katie leaves. They all leave. Katie realizes that each time she made a change, she wasn't just changing time. She was moving to a new place a new branch on the giant tree of all her possible choices. That's what Lise was trying to show her. Every time she woke up as a different person, she was very far from home. Katie reasons with the monster that that instead of destroying this world, they should try to make it better. The monster shrinks and becomes the size and shape of Katie. Katie realizes you aren't a monster, you're a mirror. Katie finds the cauldron and heads back to the Lucknow building. She finds the old fireplace, breaks up some old furniture, and lights a fire. The Katie monster sits contentedly in front of the fire. Katie finds one last mushroom that rolled out of the cauldron in the back of her car. She heads back to what remains of seconds and finds a snow-filled dresser with a tiny curled-up lease inside it. Katie hands tiny lease the mushroom and curls up beside her in the snow. Katie wakes up in the hospital. Arthur, her co-investor from earlier, is by her side and tells her that they found her passed out from exhaustion and hypothermia. Hazel comes to visit her and Katie notices that Hazel's arms are healing from being burned. She realizes that this means the entire timeline has been reset, except that in this new old timeline, she and Hazel are still somehow friends. Katie returns to seconds to find Max waiting for her. They have an honest conversation and reconcile. Katie says that she's learned something. There are things we can't change and we just have to accept that, and maybe that's some kind of grace. Life goes on. Seconds is still doing well. Katie's second restaurant, which she decides to call Lucky's, opens late and over budget, but it's popular and she's happy there. She still returns to Seconds every now and then to leave some bread on the rafters, but she never sees another house spirit again. Thank you. Excellent job on summarizing what turns out to be a somewhat complex story <laughs> with uh, highlighting all the different revisions um, that happen, and they get progressively farther removed from reality yeah. as you go along. Like, yeah. I love the moment where all of a sudden there's skeletons walking around, uh-huh. and you're like, what in the world? And then everyone else thinks this is normal, and you're like, she's just entered a universe where skeletons right. work in fine dining, or, you know, dining establishments, and that's normal. Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. phase anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how far she's moved away from the normal core timeline yeah. that she knew. Um, some works that this definitely, for me, uh, like, feels cousin to but completely unique like this this is in some ways a groundhog day scenario sure. you know reliving I, I, except i guess we're, we're only seeing the consequences of reliving the day we're not seeing right. the day relived right. or, or as far back as she goes They're like she starts jumping back farther and farther mm-hmm. to try and rewrite um her past mistakes and undo them uh but and, and we see her um you know 
I, I like that we kind of discover with her, what, okay, now that I've made that one different choice, right. how many other things are actually different now? Like, mm-hmm. what what is all different? So, like, the, the most shocking, I think, is when you when you find out, okay, she and Max are married, but then you find out she's still having the affair. <laughs> or or yeah. well, the, the yeah. fling, which is now an affair. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, exactly, <laughs> right? yes. And you can tell she's shocked by that. Like, I wouldn't make this choice, mm-hmm. but in this universe, you are making that choice. Yeah. Uh, you know? And it's, and it's funny, because after I read this, I was like, wow, that's such a great story. I really like that. And then later I was thinking, like, yeah, you know, I... I find that, you know, that it's kind of like Groundhog Day and it's, you know, kind of like Russian Doll and it's kind of like Life After Life and it's kind of like a few episodes of Star Trek I really like and it's kind of like – and then suddenly I realize like, oh, I like this trope a lot. <laughs> you know, I, I can suddenly think of or, – or About Time if you've seen mm-hmm. that. I can suddenly think of a lot of stories where, you know, sometimes you don't realize your own um, – your own biases or the own, the own tropes that you really, really like or the stories you keep gravitating to until suddenly you see like a whole bunch of them lined up and you're like, huh, that's an interesting pattern I hadn't noticed in myself. Yeah. And I find that this one hits a satisfying point for those stories of which, as you're noting, mm-hmm. there are many where the level of explanation I like in this mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, house spirit. <laughs> sure. Magic. Sure. Something with this mushroom. But you don't really like, get full details of the mechanics of no. what exactly is going on. It's still yeah. fairly hand wavy. Like, Groundhog Day doesn't even try to explain it. That mm-hmm. might be my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a book I was reading. It was The Seven and a Half Deaths of Someone. I can't okay. remember the name. Um, but it was a similar thing where uh, the, the main character, like, kept waking up in a different body during this three-day period where oh, there's a number of murders that happen. Yeah. And they know, like, I'm in a body that's going to die soon. Because mm-hmm. I saw it from a different point of view previously. Yeah. And I liked the premise, and I liked a lot of the book, but then they got they gave really detailed explanations of how this was happening. Like, uh, I don't, I don't really like that actually. (laughs) It's kind of, it's a fine line because you want to, you know, you want to give enough of an explanation and enough details to, to make it satisfying. First that you can figure out what's going on and that you're satisfied that, that it is operating on, on some kind of internal logic. But it, but you know, if you want to get into like hard SF territory, time travel becomes very, very complicated when you do that. And there, and, and you kind of, I feel like there's sort of a, a a problem where like you're explaining too much and it's not satisfying. You know, right. you're kind of stuck in the middle. And trying to give that explanation, you end up for being forced to acknowledge loopholes and yeah. issues with this. And if yeah. you just leave it as kind of hand wavy, house sprite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. think you're good. Or um, the movie yesterday. Uh, oh. <laughs> where he woke up in a world with no Beatles music. Right. Why? I don't know. He right. did. And that's fine, and we're moving on. This is now the world he's in. Yeah. Uh, and and I've realized that I'm okay. I, I can swallow a pretty ridiculous premise as long as you take the consequences of that premise seriously. So yeah. set up, you know, set up, it doesn't have to be hard SF. It doesn't have to be like, I can take new worlds, new, you know, new, just, just set up whatever you want and then show me actually how the gears kind of unfold. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that. Yeah. And this one is all about consequences. <laughs> so, so I can see why this, this yeah. one definitely worked for you if that's, yeah. that's what you favor. And I, I, I think that's what I like that. You're hitting the nail on the head for me, where, like, I don't really need a firm explanation as to how, but the why the story matters, that's, you know, what is going to resonate more for me. Yeah. And I like seeing, um, as as we said, like, these, at at first, it's small choices, like, Mm -hmm. from just within the last few hours. I want to undo this bad moment. Yeah. Um, And and so the ripples aren't as great, but when she starts to undo things from farther back in her life and these mistakes, you see... I, I, I have no sense of 
where I'm going to be as a person yeah. uh, any, anymore yeah. uh, because of uh, the cascading effect of new choices that are going to come. And it's also, I mean, are you, I, I thought the commentary on memory was really interesting. Like the part where she sees her wedding picture. So like you know, she wanted to be with Max. She still really cares about him. You know, maybe she wanted to have this future that included marriage. Maybe she was thinking that far ahead. Maybe she wasn't. But the fact that she's suddenly there and yet she has no memory of how they got there was, I thought was a really interesting commentary on on the role that memory plays in life and in personality. And if you don't have memories or if you're missing those memories, what is that? You know, are, are you really the same person in some sense? And I, um, it reminds me of like talking to people who've had family members who had dementia and how, and how difficult it is to watch them sort of seem to disappear as people. I think that's one of the, why that's a really, really tragic thing is it's not just this person is sick and it's not just this person is dying. It's, the person that I knew is disappearing and not right. just, you know, not just their body, but, but as a person, as a, as a spirit or a soul or whatever you think, like that's kind of crumbling. And that's what Katie sees happening to mm-hmm. herself with these bigger changes from her past. Yeah. We're like, I, I don't recognize who I am. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not a person who would have this affair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yet here I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Or at a minimum, she doesn't understand, you know, she does not understand all the choices that led them there. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't, I mean, like, if, if she was annoyed with her husband, she didn't get there. If she'd been flirting with Andy, you know, she just doesn't have that backstory because, right. you know, because there are plenty of stories, that, not let's say there's stories that justify affairs, but there are plenty of stories where you can understand why people have an affair because they build up the emotion. But but we don't have that and Katie doesn't have that. And so it's very shocking to us and very shocking to her. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Or even um, when she goes to the new restaurant, which is that she, what she feels is now going to be the better choice building. Yeah. And then she finds out, well, this isn't the restaurant I want. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it has a different name. It has a different decor than I would yeah. choose. And, and and for her, she's saying, like, I'm, you know, I'm still me in mm-hmm. my head and I know what my tastes are. So how am I <laughs> making these choices in this reality? Yeah, because on the one timeline, you know, she had a co-investor, but she was still really driving a lot of the choices. And, and it was going to be her restaurant, but then she was having to try to fi- finance it. And so it was just all this weight on her shoulders. And it seems like it'd be so great if Max was still around and we were doing this together. But then she's not as involved and she's not as, you know, just, just the whole, she's suddenly kind of a, kind of playing a supporting character in this new version of her life that she's not really happy about. Yeah. And I I think digging into these, it highlights for me what, for me was the most fascinating part of this book, which is, this is a book about like rewriting the universe. And, and when you get into like the, the spirits and, and the grand tree and the release of monsters, like that feels like usually like big, fantasy tropes mm-hmm. um, of like the chosen one character and this is a girl who like regrets a decision she made six hours ago and finds a way she can rewrite it and that's like the inciting incident for, yeah, for she, this. She, she regrets staying up too late and watching Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> and one know, that wants like, to rewrite that yeah, choice. Yeah. Which we've all felt that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's a that's a at this point a fairly universal choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Not, not completely and, but. You know and that the big regrets in life they're not I mean you know she, she does go back and, and rewrite the and rewrite the situation with Max, but a lot of her regrets are just little things. You know, it's just like making an unwise choice that you regret in the morning because you don't feel great. You know, getting too drunk or staying up too late. Or, or in some ways, like like the replaying a conversation you had two days ago in the shower and like, oh, I wish I'd said this. That was the exact thing I should have said. Or, or why did I say that thing? Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I can, I can go and do that. Yeah. Uh, and, and you find out, you know, at least in this narrative universe, like, yes, you can go and do that, but you are going to be a different person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like life is going to be on a different path. Yeah. And the, and the fact that she, one thing I didn't really get a chance to mention in the summary, um, was that, so there, there's a, there's narration, you know, that, that kind of just appears in the text box, but 
Katie often interacts with it, you know, and, and the narrator will be like, Katie regretted her choices. And she'll be like, no, I don't. And it's or really, really fun. She'll tell it to shut up sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so there's, there's some point where the narration says, Katie had always regretted the, you know, the, the, the link between cause and effect or, or the fact that, you know, bad choices have effects or something. She's like, she thought it wasn't fair. And she's like, and so now she's just like, she's just in a have her cake and eat it too kind of situation. You know, there's, um, there's uh yeah she can just you know make bad choices and have the fun of making bad choices and then undo them and be this kind of calm cool-headed person mm-hmm. i i feel like we have to say it even though i've never seen it mm-hmm. sliding doors is a movie that feels like it would oh, be yeah. of, of a type with this this story you should watch sliding doors That's i, a good I know movie. the premise because yeah. it gets referenced so often yeah. and other things and there's an episode of fraser called sliding frasers <laughs> so the, the thing about sliding doors is that it's it's a chance situation it's not really a choice okay and so what, what happens in sliding doors is um is the main character goes to work leaves her boyfriend who's who stays home because he's working on a novel she um and then she ends up she makes a bad decision ends up getting unexpectedly fired and so she gets on the on the tube this is in london she gets on the on the tube to go home again and in one version, she barely makes it on the train, and the other version, she barely misses the train. And then there's a, and then there's some, there's some problem on the track, and the next train doesn't come for a few hours. So basically, she comes home right away, and then she comes home a few hours late in the other version. And when she comes home right away, she discovers that her boyfriend's cheating on her, and then that kind of sends her off into this new path. But in that one, it's it's just randomness. It's nobody's choice. It's nobody. It's just like. But for a tiny decision, you know, or I think someone like stumbles into her when she's running down the train, which I I feel like. Um, and, and now that you've mentioned it, I do like sliding doors. So apparently, yes, this is something that I really like. I, I think it's significant that it's chance in sliding doors and that it's choice in this. Mm-hmm. Um, choice on the part of Lise the house elf to even give her the opportunity in the first place. Choice on her part. I think it um, – you still end up playing with a lot of the same tropes in terms of like what if life was this low, like this or what if it was like that. But I think that the um, the ramifications or the morals are quite different. And it also um, is bringing to mind a, a Timothy Zahn short story I read called Cascade Point. Okay. It's a science fiction one where uh, for some reason as they do interstellar travel, they see glimpses of other universes as they're Ooh. doing it so they only ever allow one person to be outside of hibernation uh, because every, but what you're seeing yeah. is actually a glimpses of other versions of yourself interesting uh and, and but they say that like it's not every time you travel you see a new version of yourself it, it, because it's not like I, I ate this for breakfast you get a new version it's like when you make a significant life choice right and so in one I think in the, in the story he's offered a, like a a rank advancement beyond captain, mm-hmm. and he didn't he he refuses it. And then the next time he goes to the cascade point, he sees himself in a uniform of you know the next advanced right. officer, you know the next step up. Well, and the fact that I mean the fact that um that a lot of these stories have to do with pretty major life choices, not Groundhog Day so much. I mean, Gra- well, Groundhog Day he can't control <laughs> it, but yeah, there are plenty of mundane things that happen in Groundhog Day. But the fact that this book deals with both really small life choices like don't stay up so late watching Netflix and really big life choices like who am I going tell, to be in know, a long-term relationship tell them out of your dreams <laughs> or make a massive career choice or mm-hmm. do you know is is really fun yeah um the fact that they kind of they kind of deal with both of them and um you know and even the even the Lucknow versus Talmadge is probably not quite as big a choice because it's implied to be more recent that she that she picked the final building you know so that doesn't go back as far several years where, where which is where Max's relationship comes from um but yeah, even, you know, the, the level of the change. Um, have you seen About Time? 
I have not. Okay, that's that's another one. Yeah, <laughs> apparently which is, this trip is more common than we realized yeah, at the beginning yeah, of this yeah. conversation. Or you know, or it's again, it's one. The fact that I have seen sliding doors in about time and you have not again yeah. reinforces you know our premise that I just love these stories. Um, yeah, that's another one that that deals with both big and small choices in some mm-hmm. really interesting ways. I do want to point out though that no choice in her life would lead to a universe of skeletons working at seconds. <laughs> no, I think that... Um, that is just, I think, the idea... Like, he introduced the idea that you're not... This isn't your life being rewritten. You're entering a new plane of existence. Yes. And it was yes. just showing the distance sure. that she's traveled. Sure. No, that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. No, because there's no regrets and, in my life that, that this world turned in seconds. Or it could be that the that the sort of monster Katie is already taking control. And maybe the monster Katie is also influencing where things go. And so maybe they're already kind of in a monster world, even though – like, you know, Katie makes choices. And then there are other things that – that maybe Katie makes the same choices, but there are other things that influence that. And so, you know. All right. So the monster Katie, it was yes. interesting to me because in some ways, and I know this doesn't work at all, but it feels like a double <laughs> doppelganger because it feels okay. like a, a doppelganger of both Lise and Katie. Okay. Right? Because uh, at first I thought it was going to be like an evil version of Lise, and then it turned out the revelation is, oh, you're a mirror of me, but at yeah. the same time, like, again, this is more supernatural. So it's really also more closely mm-hmm. related to Lise. Yeah. Um, what What do you make of that reveal of this monster taking on mm-hmm. Katie's form? Like, what do you think so, O'Malley's getting at? One thing that I really, really like is that there is no bad guy in this story. And that, to me, feels very um, – a lot more like – it feels a lot more like some things I've seen coming out of, of like East Asia. Like, um, honestly, the first, the first Miyazaki film I saw was Spirited Away. And I'm just like, oh, who's the, you know, cause like I'm used to grew up with Disney and I'm like, there's a good person and a bad person and we defeat the bad person. And then we get Spirited Away and I'm like, who is the bad person? Where's you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just like everyone has their own agenda and everyone, you know, has, some people have made bad choices and some people need help, but like her parents do eat the food they're not supposed to eat and, and no face is going around eating people. And, you know, but we can all get along in the end, you know, and we can live with things, whatever. And, um, and so I really, really like that it's not that, you know, Katie and Lisa are good and the and the evil dark monster is bad. It's that it's that um, our choices have consequences. And if you, you know, disturb the fabric of the universe or the balance of the universe, it's not about good and bad. It's about balance and respecting different worlds and respecting the sort of stability of living with the supernatural world. Um and yeah, and so that was, that, I think that was the thing I really liked that, um, that really she just, you know, she just needs to, I mean, she needs to, the, the whole thing about different house, house spirits wanting different things I thought was really interesting because then Hazel's like, and then you have to sweep and then you have to stoke the fire and then you have to leave food out. I'm like, well, how do you know? How do you know if that's what your house elf wants? But maybe those are like common enough overlaps. But, you know, um, who doesn't want that done for them though? I guess I, I so. Mean. I guess so. Um, <laughs> There's also a really great scene that I couldn't include, didn't have a chance to include, where they leave out like a fur coat for Lise. So they're like, this is so great. She'll have a nice warm coat. And then Lise eats the coat like bite by bite. They're like, Lise is not human. Lise is a weird creature. <laughs> yeah, because they were definitely uh, uh, you know, anthropomorphizing the spirit into right. into like, oh, our friend. Like right. We're going to come to understand. Uh, yeah. And they also they also talk a little bit about where her image comes from. And it turns out it comes from, it, it comes from something Hazel did. And mm-hmm. read the book. There's a lot I couldn't include. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there's something about something about 
seconds that means that the house spirit embodies Katie, you know, because it's it's supposed to be Katie's restaurant? Or does the house spirit of, of that building always be a mirror? Is that always a mirror of the people who, who come there? Or is it a mirror because Katie's chosen it as... And even the term seconds is really great because seconds is the name of the restaurant. It's a name for you want more food. So it's a great name for a restaurant. It's a name for your second choice, which is the restaurant and also her second guessing everything. It's the name for time passing. And so, so that works on a whole bunch of different levels. Um, yeah. And I don't know about the Lucknow building, why that ends up being a mirror of Katie, but I do like that, um, you know, or or maybe it's her own greed, you know, where she instead of having just one mushroom, she discovers all the mushrooms and then she wants them to grow. And so she dumps it onto them. But it's it's this unhealthy kind of greed that ends up consuming the mushroom power and, and doing all this stuff. Yeah, I don't really know about that, though. And I, 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 I saw it also as um, like increased contamination, you know, mm-hmm. like she, she's. She's bringing in this outside thing into the world of yeah. seconds. Yeah. And for her, like, it, the rules were you can do this once, and she increases the contamination of her own life, you know, by by rewriting it over and over and over, and she yeah. loses a sense of who she is mm-hmm. and, and what reality is any any longer, um, because the contamination, like, reaches a level that's, um, you know, insurmountable for her. And that's, you know, if, if you kind of get away from digital media, like recording over and over again on a VHS tape or like erasing over and over again with an eraser until you go through the paper, you know, that that metaphor of you can maybe redo something once, but if you keep trying to redo it and trying to redo it and trying to redo it, you'll the fabric of what you're trying to do will fall apart. Or even uh, like you hear this with actors all the time that like they're doing a scene and they feel like they got it right, you know, mm-hmm. second time in, but then they want to do it again. And then it's like 15 takes later. And it's like, guys, this is good. This is cycling in the wrong direction. Yeah, like yeah, we're not yeah. improving sure. by, by keeping to do the, you know, keeping to try doing this again. One thing I found kind of confusing. Um, So, so originally, and this is something you don't necessarily pick up the first part through, but the reason that Lee offers her the mushroom in the first place is because Hazel gets hurt and Hazel's been the one taking care of the house spirit. And so that's kind of why, why Lisa's finally like, Hey, you need to fix this. Um, but if, you know, what did Lisa, like if they were moving to just this tiny little timeline where, you know, they make a small change and then it ends up being a big change for Hazel. Was there another Hazel and Katie who would have been on the original timeline or was it just, that but that I didn't really understand. Right, and also because at the end, the one change that seems to be permanent is that Katie and Hazel have a have a friend friends. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and so that's that's something that sort of seems to permeate through the timelines. Anyway, I didn't like like if she was just changing places with other Katies, then I don't then then there's another Hazel that gets burned if they if they move to a different timeline. And I guess I didn't really understand that. Um, or if there are just like if the branches are all these possible timelines and she's moving between them, but they don't really exist until she moves there. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, and that's where like if you start to explain these mechanics, it's gonna like right. just raise more questions. Right. So like once you start to go down that rabbit hole, yeah, it, it can be impossible and, to climb back out. And that's that's one of those things that I don't think for me it doesn't hurt the story at all because you know it's the kind of thing where like the story works on a first level and a second level and a but by the time you get to like the third or the fourth level of trying to figure out the mechanics of it, that's when it can kind of fall apart again. But that's fine. I mean, mm-hmm. like again, this isn't hard SF, you know that that is in theory supposed to be to, to hand up to, to stand up to those kind of um more more scientific levels of scrutiny and this and this you know it works perfectly well on, on the levels on which it's trying to work um what do you think about hazel as a character um in some ways i i felt like i got to know more of her personality mm-hmm. in in than, than i did even katie 
because Katie, we're often seeing, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, her, her trying to change something. And, and so like her, her level of activity and then her like misunderstanding or, or trying to come to grips with the world around her, yeah. you know, that becomes the story. Mm-hmm. Whereas for Hazel, I feel like we get to know her as a person mm-hmm. a, a bit more. Yeah. So, and, and the way she's described in the book, she's kind of, she's like kind of shy and awkward and she's not as like chatty as the other servers. The other servers think she's kind of weird. Um, and you know, she lives with her grandmother. So whenever Katie goes to visit her, her grandmother's there and, um, and, and her, I, I kind of looked at the artwork really carefully and her grandmother is maybe Asian, maybe not, you know, it's hard to tell in, in cartoons, but it's, it's, you know, kind of implied that maybe she's from some kind of old country. Um, yeah, she's really interesting. She's someone who seems to be um, shy and awkward in some ways, but also very aware of things. You know, she just sort of feels that like, I think there's just a house spirit here or, and and she's not, you know, at the first she doesn't think a house spirit is necessarily a real thing, maybe more of a metaphor for some kind of feeling. But then as she's talking to Katie, she becomes convinced that like, no, this is an actual being. Um, she and then and then she's the one who notices that things are not really feeling good when when Katie brings the cauldron in and when and when that is all kind of going downhill. Um, and she's the one who suggests to Katie that maybe Katie took something from Lucknow that and you know and, and brought something into seconds. Um. Well, and also there's the, um, like, you get a sense from Katie and also the other girls, like, there's mm-hmm. jealousy because Hazel's beautiful, mm-hmm. but Hazel doesn't feel beautiful. Right. And Hazel doesn't doesn't really act, like, with the, the confidence sure. that the other girls feel like they would if they, they, they were as beautiful as she is. Yeah. And so in some ways, like, what you find out personality-wise is the sensitivity mm-hmm. that you're identifying is at the core. But then also there's this, like, introverted aspect of her yeah. and um, a shyness mm-hmm. uh, to her. And then when that gets coupled with the messages of jealousy that she's getting hit with from the outside, like, it just puts her into a shell even yeah. more. And yeah. Katie, reaching out to her, like, helps Hazel become you know, transformed, uh, you know, more confident, um, not like some, you know, it, it's not like the, the makeover, you know, the makeover se- sequence at all. It's just yeah. like the Katie at the end is different than the Katie at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Or I mean the Hazel at the end is, is different than the Hazel at the beginning. Yeah. Um, because of this, but what it's not because she's cycled through 30 different realities is because someone became her friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The power of friendship is the true moral of the book. <laughs> yeah, but, I think that's there, but it's it's not like cheesy no, and beat over no. your head like a yeah. Saturday, you know, uh, after or you know, like an after school special, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, or you know, the the movies they stick at the end of Saturday morning cartoons for kids because they had to fill their educational time block requirement uh, for, for broadcast laws in the nineties. It, it it doesn't come across like that at all. And similarly, mm-hmm. you know, there's the message where. Um, Emily, my wife, asked me what the book was about, and I kind of described it as best I could. And she's like, so where did she end up? I'm like, well, pretty much back in her original timeline. Uh, and so she's like, so like realizing, like, you know, the life you have is is pretty good. And I'm like, yeah, but that sounds quaint and trite. Right. And I right. don't feel that from this, mm-hmm. but that is part of the message. Yeah. And then literally after saying that, I'm trying to find the, the passage. Yeah. Um, like, I looked back at the book, and what I was reading was... Katie's saying, hold on, it's going to be right here. I know it's close. Oh, this is what I've learned. <laughs> like, Katie lays it out right here. This is what I've learned. There are things we can't change, and we just have to accept that. Maybe that's some kind of grace. And then the boss says, that's your big lesson. He points to a sign over his his desk that says, God grant me the serenity to accept things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And then he just says, my mom sent it to me when we opened. I put it up when she visited that one time. Remember, that was three years ago. You've been staring at this thing for every day for three years. So, like, there's some acknowledgement that 
in some ways, a lot of the core themes mm-hmm. aren't that groundbreaking. I think how they're presented is really interesting mm-hmm. and unique. And I haven't seen a story like this, even as we're saying, like, these are kind of cousin stories sure. out there in science fiction and fantasy. Um, but the message of, like, friendship can change a person, mm-hmm. <laughs> of, uh, you know, you, there are things you can't and shouldn't change, sure. and you need to learn how to accept that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Although at the same time, so, so describing it to someone it can seem like it's a wonderful life like aren't you so glad your life is the way it is but that's not what it is at all you know it's not i mean there are still really difficult things she has to deal with her restaurant ends up costing more than she thought it would it ends up opening late you know they're just unexpected things um and then like you know when they say there are things you can change and things you can't well that flies against the whole story there she could change anything you know and it wasn't it didn't really seem to be the things that she was changing it was the number of times she was changing them and then also at the point where she started making really big changes you know mm-hmm. so maybe it's like you can change small things but not big things but then it also seemed to be a problem of her not accepting cause and effect her wanting to have her cake and eat it too i think that was probably a bigger not that you can change something or can't change something but that you have to live with the consequences of her choices right that that making those changes is going to have impacts and you don't understand those which is why like our own lives like have these pivot points and, mm-hmm. and i think everyone dwells back and like what if i'd taken that one job or what yeah. if i'd gone to school at that other place or yeah you know or you know a past relationship or whatever maybe like what would my life be like and it's weird because like our life is just what it is it's normal mm-hmm. like whatever we're waking up to every day that's what our, our normal reality is. Yeah. But you can think back and, and see these moments where a different choice would have been a pretty big difference. Now, in the case of Katie and Seconds, because there's this this house spirit involved, she always has to wake up in the room yeah. up of Seconds. Like, the magic is contained yeah. to this space. Which so it's not like she makes a choice and suddenly she's a chef studying at the Cordon Bleu mm-hmm. in France or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's um, that's also something that's kind of explored in About Time. It's like the limits of what you can change and can't change. Um, but um, yeah, it's not. It's not like they're all kind of reasonable places for her to end up, except for the skeletons in the kitchen. Um, but they're, you know, and and it's sort of like her life has been revolving around this place. And I think there's even a. a, a I think there's even maybe a, a bit at the very end which talks about how one of the things she learns is that she needed to let seconds go. You know, she's trying to move on, but she's still holding on to things. And she's holding on to her past relationship with Max. And it's always like, oh, he was so great. He was so when like, and it's, and you know, for better or for worse, because I did see, I did see some people kind of critiquing this. They kind of patch things up really easily at the end. You know, it's like, oh, and then they, and they talked it out and they said it was okay. But it's, you know, it's sort of like her holding on to this past vision of him instead of trying to move forward with some future vision of him because he keeps showing up a seconds he clearly wants to talk to her and you know get in touch with her again and she's really you know she's mad at him for how they broke up and then she wants to just tell him off and then you know instead of saying like we did what we did and this is where we are now and let's move forward it's always kind of trying to go back and and you know go back into go back into how deeply in love she was with him and then go back into how angry she was with him instead of just moving forward yeah the uh, it's getting back into like she doesn't want to deal with the effects uh, mm-hmm. of these choices yeah she just wants to like be at a certain point <laughs> you know and not uh do the work to address where she's at now mm-hmm. and reach that point through new choices moving yeah. forward um yeah. which is what what we see her finally starting to do at the end which i mean you can completely understand the appeal of going back like i said you, we, you know the, those shower arguments in your head like if you could go relive those moments and actually deliver the right the right conclusion so yeah. many of us would go choose to do that even involved eating a weird magic mushroom probably not that maybe not, not that when she got sick uh from eating the fast food i thought it was gonna be from the, the mushroom she'd been right. eating <laughs> that was really really fun the fact that this super high-end show would just go to like you know 
big Jim's burger barn or whatever it is. I can't remember what it's and called. she ordered like the, the worst disgusting. thing on the yeah, menu. Yeah. 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 Well, what you said about arguments reminds me that when I was in like middle school, whenever I would think, whenever I would think of a really good comeback to someone that I could possibly use in the future, I would also think of a comeback to the comeback. So if someone ever used my comeback on me, I would be prepared. <laughs> I do not remember if I actually ever got a chance to use this genius uh, argumentative tool. Um, but darn it, I was ready. <laughs> it would have been so satisfying. <laughs> Well, anything else that you want to touch on about seconds? Yeah, what are some of the other I, I one of the things I like about it is that it really it's not a story that lends itself to really easy morals or, or as in as in more the moral of the story. You know, mm-hmm. it's you cannot just summarize it and be grateful for what you have or be careful for what you wish for. Or, or move forward instead of look back. Yes, or your life is the best it could possibly be. Like it's just a lot more complicated than that. In part because it's more it's more it, it's not so much what your life is, it's more how you approach it, you know, and do you approach it with the sense of accepting your choices and moving forward? Or are you always regretting things, always looking back? Um, so yeah, I really, really like that. There are plenty of other stories that I really love that apparently you have not seen enough of. So we'll have to <laughs> cover all of them. Now that I am a paying member of <laughs> the paying Patreon member. Um, yeah. Well, I think... I, again, like you said, it's, it's a little hard to boil it down to to one message. But yeah. one thing that is definitely different about Katie is you sense that she's going to be taking more responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm, not, she's a hard worker. She, yeah. she, she through all these versions of her, she clearly has worked very hard in her life. But often, when things are going wrong, the blame is being placed elsewhere, or mm-hmm. there's questioning as to some, why someone else hasn't done a thing instead of, or she's yeah, or she's making lots of choices without thinking them through. Yeah, and, and then when she's faced with this. She says, well, I'm just going to go undo my part of mm-hmm. that. And, you know, there's no sense of what is happening to all these other lives out there. Like you said, yeah. like, we, we, we can ask some questions about like, wait, what about these hazels? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, or, or these other things. Um, but, oh, I'm, I'm not going to take responsibility for the consequences now. I'm going to go see if I can magically undo this one action, mm-hmm. um, from the past and moving forward, you know, the, hopefully she can have, like you said, more of that forward mindset. And that's going to result in, you know, a better life for her, which yeah. again, like, it's not like she was leaving a, leading a bad life at the beginning. She just wishes some things could be, could be different than they were. Yeah. And even, you know, even her desire to open the second restaurant is because she doesn't own the original one. She's like, but I don't have money and these investors stepped up and I'm so grateful, but she's still, you know, every single choice is sort of, is kind of anchored in the past and some angst about a choice in the past instead of saying, look, I am where I am. I made the choices I made. I did the best I could at the time. I just have to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even as like the version of her that we see moving forward at the beginning, where she's trying to open up the second restaurant, she doesn't understand what some of the business dealings are that are going on, and she's getting hammered. <laughs> she yeah. she gets caught really in some really bad financial situations. Yeah, because it seems like uh, her co investor maybe has has made some choices or or signed off on some things that they can't cover. Yeah, because <laughs> she keeps getting emails about bigger bills mm-hmm. uh, than anticipated, and then she can't get a hold of the new. Uh... Yeah, he. I I didn't include the summary. He's at a funeral though. Right. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. But 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 the the fact that it's that she's out of the loop that, mm-hmm. that she's out of the loop on the six thousand extra dollars sure. you know that that sure. sort of thing yeah all right well I highly recommend this graphic novel I also recommend uh, Scott Pilgrim which uh, you said what are some of the similarities mm-hmm. well like, like a lot of angst uh, about <laughs> about romantic decisions <laughs> is is definitely one overlap <laughs> that I saw um, and then also the um, that blending of different genres in Scott Pilgrim is a lot of video game mm-hmm. and superhero stuff gets blended in with 
a, a teen romance, right? right? And this, it's this fantastical universe-defining magic gets blended with these life decisions of Katie, who's trying to open a second restaurant and wishes she was back with her old boyfriend a mm-hmm. bit, but also doesn't wish she was back with her boyfriend, depending on which, right. which moment she's in. Doesn't you know? And so that idea of, of like blending the intimate with the grand mm-hmm. uh, and, and like the hyper exaggerated, I, I think is something that connects the worlds of Scott Pilgrim and, and seconds. Great. That wraps up this episode. Thank you for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We'd like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to go check out episode number 164, when we talked about Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, or episode number 175, when we talked about the yellow wallpaper and the man who buried himself. You can reach us by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter. You can follow at protagonistpod and at Jadorowski. And our producer, Andrew, is at DizMinute. And our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. Thank you again for listening. And we'll be back next week to discuss another Ricky character in a great story. So long. Bye-bye. And joining us for the discussion is Kirsta Christian. Christian. <laughs> well, I forgot to say her name in the thing, and so I've been like second guessing, redoing the whole thing. And so as soon as there was another bailout point, I decided to shake it. <clears throat> All right, Katie in second. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're just dis- we're just. Dis- <laughs> I'm in my head. I'm in my head. <laughs>